Hello, welcome to Family Church. So glad that I can be here with you and that you're here with me. Um, today, we are going to be sharing on a, a topic that's kind of on my heart um, to bring you um, today. And, you know, over the past few weeks, we've been uh, sharing on this being led by the Spirit, um, being empowered by the Spirit. But also, um, we had this incredible message about having the baptism of the Holy Spirit on that Pentecost Sunday, about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to kind of lead on um, to this and just touch on the subject of uh, water baptism, because it's, um, it's, it's something that um, as Christians we do, um, but sometimes we don't always kind of know the, the, the kind of backstory of why we do what we do. And I think it'll be really good just to kind of unpack some truths today with you regarding water baptism. So what is baptism? Um, you know, baptism, the word, it means to be baptized. Baptism literally means to undergo or be immersed. So literally to be put under uh, and obviously to be brought back up again as well. Um, baptism takes place upon someone accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an outward declaration of what Christ has now done on the inside of who they are. It's an outward declaration of saying Christ has done uh, and provided and given me new life. Um, and we believe a person must be of an understanding to do this, you know. So it's not something we, um, you know, we, 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 a child can go through baptisms, but a baby really would be dedicated to the Lord. And I want to kind of clarify on these points today that a baptism itself, a water baptism, must be a, a thing we undertake when we understand what Christ has actually done for our life. Um, the Bible calls this kind of baptism a baptism of repentance. Now, Mark 1, 4 to 5 um, gives us this, um, this statement here, and it says this, and, as, uh, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Um, so this baptism here, you know, it's, it's not the baptism, what we were speaking about with the Holy Spirit, it comes on the inside and fills us with that fire. It's actually a baptism that's, you know, it's almost like an outward sign where we go under the water and come up again. Um, you know, to be to repent or, or repentance is simply turning away from your sins. It's simply having that turning away from the old way of living where you're saying you're done with that kind of. I, I don't want to live like this anymore. And, and I'm turning away and I'm following God. That's what repentance means, uh, it means to have a change of mind. You've decided you've had enough. I'm sure many of you out there will remember uh, that moment when you said, Do you know what, I'm done with this way of living. Um, it's just full of rubbish. It's full of death. Um, and I'm done with it. I've got no peace. Um, I'm, I feel broken. And we just the choices we make just lead to death. And, and we just come to a place where we say, God, I just want you. And we, we have this repentance where we turn around and we, um, you know, put our attention onto God. That's what repentance is, where we turn away from the old way and come into the new way and come into a way of living for God. You know, baptism isn't just a religious ceremony. You know, it's not something that should just be done um, as some kind of ceremonial thing. Uh, it must be done because we follow Jesus. It must be done because we've experienced Christ and made the decision to follow him with our whole heart. Um, again, like I said, that's why we can't baptize a baby because a baby can't make that decision. But what we can do with a, with a baby is dedicate them to the Lord until they come to a place of their own understanding where they say, yes, Jesus, I want you and I want to follow you. And then we're able to baptize them um, 
in that immersion to, to, to baptize fully underwater and to bring them up. You know, growing up, I remember um, I was not from a Christian background. I didn't um, go to church at all as a child. None of my parents went to church as a child. Um, you know, no, nothing around us was Christian at all. Um, but something that was happened when I was a kid, I was christened. Um, uh, I think it was just a common thing that you did. You just got christened as a kid, even if you didn't go to church. And um, I didn't understand any of what was happening. And I didn't even understand that Jesus was a part of what was going on here. Um, I think really it was, a, it, it, you know, in, in my upbringing, it was, a, it was a reason to have a party. So kids get baptized, yeah, and it led into a party afterwards. And I think that's the reason. But actually, um, that isn't really what baptism's about. Baptism isn't about an outward ceremony or an outward celebration. It's about an internal revelation that you've had of Christ that then reacts to the reason of being baptized. So we're going to look at a few things today. I want to look at Jesus in the early church. We're going to take a, a walk through a bit of the Bible, and then we're going to go to the Old Testament and have just a moment of looking through some of the pictures where we can see um, God foreshadowing the baptism, the picture of the water baptism and what it represented. And then I want to look at, just, just briefly at the end, I want to look at the power of water baptism. There's power in the water baptism. You know, as I say, there isn't just a ceremony. There's power when we apply faith to water baptism. But when I start, first and foremost, with Jesus. So Jesus went through water baptism. Mark 1, 9 to 11. And it says this. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. So just as we read about John, who went before to baptize, you know, baptism of repentance, he also baptized Jesus. Um, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being opened and torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son in whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. What an incredible moment. See, John was baptized in Jesus as Jesus went down in the water, as he was lifted up. The spirit of God descended on him. That, that was visible to see to certain people, you know, eyewitness accounts. And then a voice could be heard saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Jesus went through these water baptisms as an example for us as believers and as a sign for the people. Not because he needed to repent of his sins, because Jesus was sinless. It wasn't that Jesus, the saviour of the world, the son of God, had to come to John to repent of his sins. We know in Hebrews 7.26, it says he was above all sin. He was, um, he was above all reproach. He was, uh, he was sinless. He was perfect. And that's why he came for us. But, John the ba but, but, but why, he came to Jesus, why he came to John sorry, was because he was showing the way, showing um, what needed to be done as a sign for others. John the Baptist was doing this because he was making a way for Jesus also, getting the people ready for the saviour of the world to enter. And all of this was to fulfil those scriptures that were spoken previously in the Old Testament. You know, in um, Isaiah and Malachi, we know there's these, these prophecies that were spoken hundreds, hundreds of years. You know, Malachi, 400 years. Isaiah, like six or so hundred years before Jesus had even entered into before John the Baptist, before Jesus, any of them have been walking on the face of the earth. These prophecies were spoken. Um, and Mark 1, 1 to 3, it says this, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, 
I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way. That's Malachi 3.1. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the paths for him. And that's Isaiah 40 verse 31. The, the, these, are, um, these are moments where prophetic, prophetic voices of the past are coming into, into play. And John the Baptist went before as one calling out, as one going before, preparing the way for the savior of the world to come. So baptism is also for us to simply follow the example of Jesus. And it's an act of obedience to the Great Commission. So, yes, Jesus went through it. It was a sign of the savior of the world coming. Um, the, the prophecies of John the Baptist are, are being fulfilled in this moment. But actually, Jesus gives us this command in the Great Commission at the end of the Gospels in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, Jesus' command was to go make disciples, but also baptize them. See, we're called to baptize. We're called to make disciples. We're called to preach the gospel, to see people give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're also called to then have our life baptized, immersed in this water for a very specific reason. And actually, it doesn't just stop with Jesus. You know, we could think, oh, well, it was only for Jesus to do that if it ended there. But it doesn't. It carries on. When we open up the book of Acts and the early church, we see this incredible picture of people getting saved and people being baptized. And it starts at the very, very first sermon of Peter. In Acts 2, 38, it says this, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 41, it says this, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. I love that because often we hear the scripture like, wow, 3,000, he preached and 3,000 were added, but that, no, we missed a bit. They were baptized. They went through the water. They decided to say, yes, I believe, and now I'm going to walk through the water as a sign that I believe in Jesus Christ, that I've received this new life. Um, it isn't seen as a bolt on extra, but an act of, of receiving the message of the gospel of salvation. And the very next thing um, that, that the people did when they heard the message was they were baptized and then were added to the church. And again, it, it, it was a part of what they did as obedience to the, to the call of the gospel is they recognized their lives now in Christ. And as, as we go on to explain a little bit of this, we'll start to see a picture of the baptism and what it actually is in our life. Um, the Samaritans getting baptized. Acts um, 8, 12 to 13 shows this. But when they believed, the Bible says, Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. What did they do? As they believed Philip, the message, as they believed the message of the good news of the kingdom of God, they were then baptized. Once again, the, it's a simple picture. They believed the message and they did something. They went through this moment of saying, yep, yeah, I recognize myself um, alive with Christ through the waters of baptism. And then we see it also uh, with the Ethiopian eunuch that gets baptized in Acts 8, 34 to 38. It says this. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say of this of himself? Or of some other man, as he was trying to dig through the scriptures. He was trying to get understanding of what, what, what Isaiah was speaking about. And then this was what uh, Philip said in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. 
What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Come on, this is awesome. So the minute someone believes, there's, an, and there's a picture throughout all the Bible, throughout the, the book of Acts, where there was a belief and then there was a reason why they got baptized. They went down and got baptized through water. And it's always after someone decides to give their life to Christ. It would never be before. And there's a reason for this. We, we come to a revelation of Christ. We come to an understanding of who he is for our lives. And we go through the waters of baptism. There are roughly 17 accounts of baptism or the use of the word in the book of Acts. And it's an important part of the believer's walk in Christ. Um, but why? And I suppose that's the interesting thing. We can unpack all of these and see all these moments where people were being baptized. But why? Why is it really important in our life today to feel like we need to go through the waters of baptism? Well, I think we can go to the Old Testament here and have a look at um, a couple of moments where this picture of baptism is a real visual evidence of what happens in a believer's life. And we're going to start in, a, in, in the book of Exodus, and then we're going to look at Joshua in a minute too. So in Exodus 13, I'll paint the picture. They, the, the, the Israelites have been in bondage for many, many, many years. They've been struggling and they're hard pressed and they've been under this rule that's horrible. That's this tyranny. And then all of a sudden they're released. And we come to this moment that God has set them free in Exodus 13. And it says this in verses 17 to 18. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of land of the Philistines, although that was near for God said, let's perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. God didn't want to take them the way of the land. He, he wanted, his plan was to always lead them um, towards the Red Sea. And there's this moment where they're, they're being led, they've been set free and they're heading towards the Red Sea. And then there's this moment in Pharaoh's heart where he's like, actually, what's going on? I shouldn't have done this. And we read this in Exodus 14, 5 to 6. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? Why have we let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And in verse 9 says this, So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them, camping by the sea beside Pith-Heror before Baal-Ziphon. See, there's a moment where these Israelites have been set free. They've been delivered. They've been set free completely from this way of living. And then there's this moment later where the ones that have set them free have changed their mind. And this old tyranny, this old bondage, this enslaved life is now trying to catch up with them as they're trying to escape it. And then there's this moment here in Exodus 14, 21 to 23, when they come to the Red Sea. And this is an amazing picture. This is what happens in verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. That strong east wind is the word ruach and it actually means spirit. God's spirit is moving right now. God's spirit is moving. As Moses lifted up that stick in the wilderness by the Red Sea, God's spirit is moving, pressing the sea back and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into 
the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. See, God's plan was to do a miracle, a way of bringing them through the water. But the old life was still chasing them. The old life was still trying to hold on to them. The old life was still trying to say, no, 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 you belong to me. But God was saying, no, when you go through the waters, all of that's going to change. In Exodus 14, 27 to 30, we see the miracle take place. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians. So they've walked through, they've entered across to the wilderness land. And Moses is then stretching out his hand upon the Egyptians, their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to full depth for the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not as much of one of them remained, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea of the waters where a wall to them on the right and to their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Come on, as they walked through the waters of baptism here, this is what it's a picture. As they walked through the waters, their old life trying to catch up with them was buried in the water, was destroyed in the water. And not one part of that old life that was attached to them remained anymore. It was dead. And they said, it says that they saw it dead on the seashore. Come on, this is amazing. The Israelites obeyed God through Moses and walked through the water unharmed through the other side and behind them, their old life was no more. See, God took Israel on a journey through the wilderness via the waters. But the plan wasn't just to bring them to the wilderness. The plan was always to take them to the promised land. And that also was through the waters. And we see this picture, you can read in De- Deuteronomy 6, 9, 19 and 27. God's speaking that he's taking them to a promised land. When you enter into this promised land, he's given them commands. The whole reason of escape from Egypt, going through the Red Sea in such a way, the Egyptians being removed from their, uh, their life was to take them towards something. It wasn't to leave them just there in the wilderness. And you know what? I love this because Moses led them out through the waters of baptism, but it was Joshua that led them in through the waters of baptism. Joshua leads them into the promise. And we read this in Joshua 3, 8 and 9. It says, you shall command the priests. So this is the moment. So let's paint the picture quickly. They've been wandering in this wilderness for 40 years. It's not been a quick transition. One whole generation of people have have gone because of a little bit of disobedience and trying to hold on to their old promise. And now there's this generation that have been born almost into the wilderness, that are standing on the edge of the wilderness, looking at the promised land. But what's in between them is the Jordan River. And this is what it says in Joshua 3, 89. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So he's saying that the priests must stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children, come and hear the words of the Lord your God. And not only must they stand in it, but they're carrying the ark of the covenant. They're carrying the presence of God as they're the first ones to go in. This is an incredible picture of what was to come. When we look back, just remember just those moments ago when we looked in the, the gospel of Mark, God's plan was to send the priests into the water first with the ark of the covenant. Jesus goes into the very same river with John the Baptist, the Jordan River, as our high priest, just as those priests went in, Hebrews 5, 5 and 9 says he's our great high priest. 
And he is God carrying the very presence of God. Come on, what Joshua's experience was a shadow of what was to come. When Jesus was to enter the world, he was going to go into the same river through the waters of baptism, carrying the presence of God because he is God as our great high priest to save the world. See, Joshua 3, 13 to 17 says this. So, what, so it was when the people set out from the camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped it in the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. See, it wasn't just a little river. It was overflowing. It was incredible that the waters which came down from upstream stood still. They rose in a heap very far away, um, far away at Adam, the city beside Zeratan. So the waters that went down in the sea of the Arab and the Salt Sea failed and were cut off. So this is a miracle that's happening. God is causing the waters to be cut off as the priests enter into the water. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel crossed over on dry ground until all people had crossed completely over the Jordan. See, the purpose of baptism, when we take it right back to why we get baptized, isn't so that we can just experience ceremony, and it isn't so that we can be free from something. It's because God wants to take us into something greater. See, Romans 6, 3 to 4 um, says this, Do you not know that as many of you were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Come on, this is why we get baptized, because we're recognizing we too have walked away from an old way of living. And as we go into the waters of baptism, we're saying, just as the Egyptians died on the other side, that that old way of living is no longer going to resurrect itself. And I'm going to be buried with Christ, and I'm going to rise to newness of life, just as Joshua took them to the promised land. So now I enter through the waters into the promised land of everything God has for me right now. Come on, this is why we do water baptism. It isn't a ceremony. There's so much power when we realize the power of what it's about, when we apply faith to what water baptism really is. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. And the life for which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, we recognize ourselves dead and now alive to Christ. We recognize ourselves in the waters as the old person gone in, but it's the new person coming up. Through baptism, we recognize it's no longer us living, but Christ now living in us. And so just as I bring this to a very quick end, this is what I want to encourage you to Just as the children of Israel were removed from something, they were taken away from some enslaved way of living and they were taken through the waters of baptism. The question I probably will leave you is this, what's enslaving you? What thing is holding you back? What thing that Christ has actually set you free from do you need to take that step to say, actually, it's no longer going to come up? Because there's a couple things we can do here. You know, drinking, being held by an addiction of some kind, Gossip, unforgiveness, regret. Maybe it's just a simple thing of like kind of uh, habits and stuff like that that are just forming. You know they're part of the old way of living, that you know they need to be put to death. Well, there's power in the baptism water because it's an outward declaration of what's happened on the inside. And I remember 
14 years ago and I had only just been saved. I got taught about baptism. I understood that it was something that you do because it's a recognition of something that's happened on the inside that's now happened on the outside. And I simply made the decision to be baptized. I was four months saved. I turned up to the baptism pool with my cigarettes and I just kind of at that time was a, was a smoker. Um, you know, God had set me free from so many other things, but I, the cigarettes were still there. And and I remember getting baptized, but I remember standing up at the edge of the pool and I said this one thing that I'm doing this because of what God has done on the inside of me. And this is my outward declaration of the new life. And as I went down and came up, I never smoked again. I snapped the cigarettes and was done because something lifted off of me. The, the, the Egyptians were dead on the other side and I recognized the power of what had happened in my life. Now, what happened as I applied faith to my baptism moment it wasn't a ceremony to me. It was significant. It was me saying, no, God, I live for you and you alone. And so maybe you've already been baptized and maybe you just need to bring to remembrance the power of it and remind the enemy, actually, my old life is dead and actually has no right to hold on to me anymore. Because just as I went through the waters of baptism, so my old life was dead and cannot resurrect itself again in my world. And so if that's you and you've been baptized, remind yourself of that. Apply faith to what happened then and say, actually, no, I remember what God did through the waters of baptism, just as the children of Israel were taken from a life of bondage and taken into the promised land. So you have been made to go through the waters of baptism to be taken into the promised land of all the things that God has for you. But maybe you haven't even been baptized. Maybe it's something you've not really understood well, my encouragement was to, to you today is to, to find, um, to speak to one of your pastors, to speak to, to, to a church leader um, and explain to them that you need to get baptized. You want to be baptized. It's throughout the Bible. It's a biblical principle. But when we apply faith to it, it's so powerful. And it actually, can, you can see miracles break off of your life. And so my encouragement for you today, Family Church, is be baptized Yes, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, run after all that God's got for you. But don't deny that moment where you do an outward declaration of saying, Jesus, I no longer live. I'm going through the water and coming up a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that, isn't it? That those that are in Christ are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come. So let that be your declaration. Take hold of that and run, do it. And if you have done it, just remind yourself, actually, enemy, you have no hold on me. Amen. Well, I hope you've been encouraged um, today. Um, be blessed. Have a great week and we'll see you again soon.